Uh, I think one of the biggest problems though is that the producer sends the food to be processed and the company that owns the process, the, that processes the food, hires the marketing company that makes the message, right. right? So I think, you know, and then they're the ones that are telling the story to sell it to the consumer, mm -hmm. right? But they're not asking the farmer. And that's why people like Michelle Miller, the farm babe, her, you know, and what she's done with Burger King has been amazing, mm -hmm. right? So I know we need more voices like that that call these companies out and say, listen, what you said wasn't true you know, the lemongrass thing, right? Like, right. Oh, that's not true. You can't, you can't market to these people. They don't understand. And, and Burger King ended up going to her farm and, and she educated them. So that, mm -hmm. I think we definitely need more of that. Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host, Brandon Black, and in today's episode, we're talking all about how to have better conversations with consumers. To help me with this episode, I have a guest here uh, by the name of uh, Chrissy. I'm going to let her give her own little introduction before we get started here. Hey, thanks, Brandon, so much for having me. Um, I'm Chrissy Wozniak, and uh, I'm from... Uh, I live about five minutes from Buffalo, so I'm right near Niagara Falls, and I'm on the Canadian side. So I'm from Ridgeway, Ontario, but nobody knows where that is. So, <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so I'm um, founder of North American Egg, and um, I have uh, ChrissyWozniak.com where I do some uh, consulting with sales and marketing, um, really process management and and um, and media as well. So media advertising, social media and all that stuff. So yeah, awesome. and it's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, ha I'm happy you were able to, to come on here. Um, I've, I've been able to look into a little bit of your stuff uh, before, we, before we did the episode. You got some, some really interesting projects going on over on, on your side with the North American Ag thing. Um, one of the things that, that uh, really caught my attention was, was the, the video that you sent me, the, the, the North American Ag Roundtable uh, mm -hmm. session that you had, which um, you could probably explain a little bit better than I could, but uh, was, was basically a, a conversation between a bunch of different ag um, communications people you know, that do different ag-based uh, media stuff. And, and you, know, you guys had a great conversation about better ways that we can talk to consumers and have those better conversations. Does that sound about right? Yes. Yeah. So um, I'll give you a little background on how that was kind of born. So in um, my pre-COVID life, I pretty much went from town to town, farm show to farm show, and um, and I've been traveling and doing the farm show circuits for, I don't know, probably about a decade now. And, um, you know, kind of comfortable in my routine and, you know, knowing our people and knowing our industry and, you know, doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, just like everybody else, the world stopped and and I was probably on the road, I would say two weeks of a month, probably half my time, maybe a little over half my time on the road. So it was a huge shock to me, huge shock. Um, and so what was happening, you know, the people that I was used to being around, we, we, you know, called, you know, we're calling each other on the phone, going, what are we going to do? Like, how long is this going to last? Is this, you know, how fast will this two weeks go? <laughs> right? Like what we're all doing. And then we realized, okay, this isn't going to be two weeks. So, and then, you know, farm show after farm show was canceled. And, and for us, that's where 
pretty much all of our business came from um, from our marketing came from farm shows. Mm-hmm. So so it was scary to say the least. And then you know my colleagues, my friends, my people in the industry and clients would call me and like, what do you think we're going to do? How are we're a handshake industry, right? We're a face-to-face industry. Mm-hmm. This is how we've always been. And this is how we're always going to be. And in my head, I'm like, well, you know, I've been trying to get the companies that I work with to adopt more, you know, modern practices, more digital um, ways of doing things. And I thought, okay, well, you know, I'm in a good place where I know you know, because we have the technology, we can, you know, we can build what the, what everybody needs. Right. So mm-hmm. I just started asking questions. I just got on the phone for probably a month and just kept calling and asking questions like, you know, you know, what do we need? Right. Like I didn't know. So I had to figure it out somehow. So after, you know, probably about a, you know, a few hundred phone calls, I realized that what we need is uh, a way to have our community, but digitally, and whether that's temporary or whether it lasts, it's something that we need right now. So what the next thing we did was, is um, asked, okay, what are the biggest issues in agriculture? And we came, you know, I, we asked on egg Twitter, we walked, we asked like phone calls, we asked everybody we knew, you know, everybody's opinions. And we came, came up with six different topics. And um, the, the, one of the main issues that really came up is how do we bridge that gap between consumer and, um, and producer, right? And so that was really intriguing to me because it really is about marketing. And those marketing messages make me very angry, <laughs> right? <laughs> the ones that are misleading, right? Mm-hmm. And um, like, I don't eat at A&W, <laughs> like, nice. I, I can't, I can't make myself, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I know I've heard that they're getting better and stuff, but I'm one of those people just boycott anyone that is, is actually lying about agriculture. Mm-hmm. I just can't take it. So, um, uh, and, and marketers have a lot of power. And, you know, we're the ones that build these messages. Well, if it's not true, then you're actually hurting people. And that's not okay with me. (laughs) So I really, I really liked, you know, that was probably the one that I was most passionate about. So I moderated that one. So what we ended up doing is we uh, boiled it down to six main topics, found a moderator for all of them. I was the moderator for that topic. And then, um, and then I went and filled, uh, I think, 36 uh, panelists. I, I gathered 36 panelists from across Canada, U.S., coast to coast, and tried to get a good group of people for each of those topics. And, um, and yeah, so, so we held the, the roundtable. It was three days long at the end of August. And it actually blew my mind how well it went. Like, it, it was really incredible. And I'm a data person. So I was sitting there watching our analytics, watching, you know, all the open rates on, on the communications. And I was blown away, blown away. So I'm like, oh my goodness, we're actually onto something here. So, um, so since that, what we've done is we've extended that. And instead of the round table, really what North American Ag is about is promoting the incredible people and the incredible products that impact our industry. So, you know, that's why we have like a wellness section. The best of egg is about the podcast because, uh, you know, we, I, I think podcasting is, 
is you know a really great media for agriculture and um and then industry connect so that you can easily find products um, because we can't go to farm shows now because we can't you know right now it's up to you going to you know a producer can go to their local dealer to look for products um, and uh, and really that you know they're seeing them on social media and researching things on YouTube so um, so that's what we've done now is kind of put together packages for companies where they can be in the places where producers are looking but also um, uh, you know use what we know about marketing in this age and helping companies you know embrace that so that's kind of what it's all about um yeah awesome well definitely sounds like you had a quite the road to to get to where you are now <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> no it definitely it seems like a really interesting project and it's, it's i mean you're absolutely right in saying that you know uh the 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 misleading you know content that that consumers are are consuming for lack of a better word is, is yeah. a lot to do with marketing. It's a lot to do with, you know, what's, what's right in front of them, you know, mostly on social media and on TV and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we've, like you mentioned, A&W, we've all seen like, you know, the ads that, that some of these fast food restaurants and some of these other, you know, marketing, uh, you know, uh, uh, commercials are, are, are selling to these, these people. And it's completely inaccurate. You know, it's, it's spreading this information that's not only anti-agriculture, but it's almost making the consumer, um, you know, fearful of their own food, which that should never be the goal, you know? Um, and so I think that it's, it's really, really good what, you know, what you're doing, having, having, you know, that team of people get together, uh, for all those different panels that you guys did and, and talk about the different topics that you talked about. Um, like I said, I was able to, to catch the, the, um, the one that you sent me, which was really, really fun to listen to. It had some really good points in there, some good, uh, interesting conversation, uh, to be had. Um, but you know, as, as we, we've talked about previously, this podcast is mostly dedicated towards, uh, bridging that connection between consumer and producer uh, on the consumer side of things, you know, like uh, I've, I talked to con to producers as well as in, in terms of better ways we can have that conversation, but I mostly am conversing with the consumers doing the translating and that sort of thing. Um, since you've started this, this project, since you started doing North American Ag and, and all those, uh, the panels and, and the podcast and all that kind of stuff, have you had much engagement with consumers? Do they seem to, to have any kind of resonation with your content or is it mostly on the ag side of things? Um, actually, can you pause for one second? Somebody's yeah. knocking on the door. I'm so sorry. This is the recording, so we should be good. Okay. All right. And what, what was, what's the question again? Sorry. No, you're good. So, um, so basically, so on, you know, on, on my podcast, I mostly do a lot of my conversing with the consumer side of things and a little bit with the producers, but mostly, you know, translating stuff for, for them. You know, most of your stuff seems to be conversing with, with the producer side of things. Do you have much engagement with the consumers? Do they seem to resonate at all with what you're talking about? So I guess um, historically, I have mostly worked with service providers and manufacturers that serve the producer. Mm. So that's really, I'm kind of a, a middle person, mm. uh, but can see, you know, when we're at farm shows, we're always talking to the producer, mm -hmm. right? But I usually represent the company in the middle, right? Or work for, you know, in my past, I've worked for the company in the middle. Mm. So, um, so I kind of, see what's happening. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't really have much experience, I guess, with the end consumer, mm. right? I see more of the producer's point of view than I can see of the consumer, um, except for day-to-day -day life, right? Mm. Which those things that 
that that are strange to me because you know i i live on a small farm i have chickens i have i have hay burners and i you know so this is normal life for me mm -hmm. right but you know i've heard one of my uh, uh lady that i know she had at the the local fair she had you know chickens and some chicks mm -hmm. and it's just a funny example to me of where we are in the world so she said to me that she had this this cage with a, a hen and some chicks and this little girl walked up and was like oh the chicks look so cute oh and they're all huddled up to the hen and the little girl goes mom what are those what are the chicks doing and the mom said they're drinking milk oh no <laughs> right oh, no. <laughs> we're just so that's kind of what I see is that there is this huge divide where people have personified animals into this weird Disney character, mm -hmm. right? Where, you know, you hear, you know, the yes, cage-free chickens. Well, if my chickens weren't in a cage, it takes about an hour before the coyotes come into my yard and eat them. <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah. So I think there's a lot of realism that's been lost. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that's, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm more observe than work with the consumer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. And I've definitely, I've seen some of the, you know, the things that you're talking about. I've luckily, I haven't had too many interactions on the podcast like that, but I've, I brought up stories before of, you know, people that, uh, you know, that, that I've met that have, you know, like, you know, believe chocolate milk comes from brown cows or the right. whole, you know, uh, in that, uh, there's actually some people that don't understand that we have to actually, you know, slaughter animals to get meat from them. I think that we can just harvest it from them, which is an interesting perspective <laughs> or that like, there's, there's some people that don't realize that cows have to be pregnant to produce milk. You know, some of those kinds of misconceptions are, are more common than I would like to admit, you know, in terms of what I've seen. Um, but it's interesting because, most of the people I've talked to have been pretty cognizant of that kind of stuff. Like they don't even realize that that's an issue. Like I talk about it and they're like, really people believe that. And, you know, so it's kind of of my eyes a little bit to the idea that, you know, maybe it's not the average consumer that believes that kind of thing, but it's like just large enough of a percent for it to be an issue. And, you know, that, that still makes it important enough that we need to not be marketing stuff that could cause that kind of misconception. That's um, it. So do you like, do you see, uh, I mean, like, like we mentioned some examples, like the fast food restaurants and that kind of stuff. Do you see anything on like the, like the, like the domestic, like grocery store level kind of, um, that they're causing issues to that degree? I mean, I, I've mentioned labels in the past, but is there anything in particular that you've, you've noticed that causes a big issue? Well, I just think, you know, the hormone thing is a big deal, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, every living creature has hormones, so you can't have hormone free. I think, I've seen a trend toward that changing now where the labels are saying not added hormones or whatever. And, you know, I think there needs to be a lot more perspective, right? Like right. the, you know, the hormone level, you know, is, is so small that, you know, how do you compare that? Like, mm. you know, cauliflower could have more hormones than your beef can, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> you know, there should be some better comparisons and better education there. Uh, I think one of the biggest problems, though, is that the producer sends the food to be processed, and the company that owns the process the, that processes the food hires the marketing company that makes the message. Right. right. So I think, 
you know, and then they're the ones that are telling the story to sell it to the consumer, mm-hmm. right? But they're not asking the farmer. And that's why people like Michelle Miller, the farm babe, her, you know, and what she's done with Burger King has been amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So I know we need more voices like that that call these companies out and say, listen, what you said wasn't true. You know, the lemongrass thing, right? Like, right. Oh, that's not true. You can't, you can't market to these people. They don't understand. And, and Burger King ended up going to her farm and, and she educated them. So that, mm-hmm. I think we definitely need more of that. And we really, I almost feel like we need that the marketing companies in the middle need to be educated. Mm-hmm. Right. And I guess the, those people making those decisions, maybe not the marketing companies themselves, but the people in those companies that are processing the food, they need to understand what the truth is. Right. That's, so, yeah, huh. that's an interesting perspective because, you know, we typically think about it as, you know, we need to, we need to teach people who are, who are misinterpreting the label and we need to teach the people who are producing the food, but nobody ever talks about the person who's actually making the label. And right. that's actually yeah. a, a, you know, a common misconception that I've had to address on the podcast before is, you know, I've had people come on here and we talk about labels and they say, okay, well, if the labels are, are misleading, then why do the farmers put them on there? And like, I don't think you get it. The farmers don't put them on there. That's the point, you know, yeah, they don't really know where that food goes. Right. right? And imagine corn, mm-hmm. soybeans. They have no idea where that stuff goes. It just mm. goes, right? right? They drop it off and it's gone. Mm. And, you know, Cheerios get some and, right? <laughs> like, it's crazy how, what an amazing clockwork our food system is, mm-hmm. right? But to trace it from one end to the other is just about impossible. And there's so much power in the middle. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the situation that we've had, you know, with, with processing plants getting shut down over the past few months, how much of a halt that put on the entire food supply chain. You had consumers paying more and not being able to find food and you had farmers having to throw out supply. Like that kind of puts into perspective just how essential those, those middle pieces are to the whole operation that, you know, they can basically control, you know, what the, what the consumer sees and what the farmer gets to give out basically. And so, you know, when they, when they control that much power, there needs to be some level of responsibility held up to them on, on the influence that they have on both, on both sides of that, of that coin. That's it. Yeah. And I think like, if you think about everybody's goals from beginning to end, the farmer is like, I need to produce, I need to produce, I need my farm to be very efficient. I need, you know, all my equipment to run perfectly. I need this so that I can deliver the goods. Mm -hmm. And then the consumer is like, I got to feed my family. Right. I want my family to be healthy. So they have completely two different goals. And in the middle, you have a company, which I work with, with companies. And what do we do when it, as a marketing person, we sit down and we go, okay, what do you produce? Okay. So they're bringing in soybeans and corn and whatever, and they're making something to sell for the family that wants the healthy kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And we sit down and go, okay, well, what's your marketing message? What are you selling? How do you want to increase your sales? How do you want to do this? How do you want to do that? And then we create the message based on where it's going. We don't, we're not thinking about where they bought their steel. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. that's a huge point to me. What I think of is that, you know, I don't think that the marketing companies are ever meaning to mislead, but when we work with a client, we're going, okay, well, how can we increase your profit and how can we broadcast your message and how can we make your message clear? but we're not thinking about how that steel was refined right? You know, when, it's, when it's a product. So I think that's, that's a big point that, that should be addressed. And I don't know how feasible that is. Mm. 
Do you think that because, you know, kind of what, what seems to be the, the issue is the context of the situation, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, like just going back to like the label issue, you know, we talk about like the hormone free or cage free or that sort of thing but we don't talk about the context of it. Like you mentioned, you know, that, that some food is going to have more hormones than other. And, and, you know, that naturally they're all going to have hormones because they're, they all come from biological products um, or that, you know, uh, like the pesticide free label, there needs to be some kind of context in the idea that, you know, not all of it's going to be completely pesticide free because, you know, even organic stuff can still use small traces, you know, amounts of pesticides. So like, do you think that it would be easier to, just provide more context onto some of those types of, of, you know, marketing trends, or would it be easier to just convince the marketers to just not do that at all? Well, I, I honestly don't think it's possible to regulate the marketers because they would need so much education about where those products come from. But I, I don't know. I'm not one for regulation. Like I'm not really a rules person, (laughs) But if it could help people put things into perspective on the label, then I think that that might be a better way to do it. And the other thing is I love farm to table, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I love that, you know, anything I can do to help farm to table, I'm going to do it right. because that message from the farm is going to come right through. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, what I would like to see is it become easier to be able to order meat straight from the farm. Order okay. your farm order, and I think there in that way you can preserve the message better. I guess the only challenges are to keep the food fresh. Right. Right. Yeah. But now if Walmart can do it, <laughs> we're getting there, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. No, there's definitely advancements in that area. I mean, I'm seeing at least in my area a lot more um, commercial farms that are are producing food and, and, you know, basically handing it straight to the consumer. You know, they have, they have some kind of consumer to farmer agreement and they, you know, they, they have like liability contracts and all that kind of stuff that says like, Hey, I, I produce my food safely. And if you, if you buy it from me, then you're not going to sue me for it being bad or whatever. And so like they have like a, an, an agreement established to where they can actually, uh, you know, transfer that product without having to go through all the processors and the marketers and the distributors and all that middle step. And it seems to be a lot more ideal to the farmer in that situation because, you know, they're not going through all this red tape and, and running the risk of getting in trouble because they're solely responsible for that product at that point. They're not, they're not, you know, sending it off. And then, cause like, you know, I've had the conversation before people are concerned about food safety and they like to blame the farmer on, on foodborne illness outbreaks. And really that's like a, like, like a, a, a percentage of a percentage of a percentage of a, you know, of a chance of that actually being the farmer's fault. Like it's very, very tiny you know, chance that the farmer did anything wrong because it usually doesn't even make it that far if the farmer did something wrong. It's mm-hmm. usually either, you know, the consumer or the retailer or whoever's, you know, the final step of the food chain is ten, tends to be where that issue starts to become a problem. So the, the farm to, you know, the farm to plate method seems to mitigate a lot of that, you know, finger pointing and, and you know, people blaming other people. And because that way, you know, exactly who, who got, who gave you the product and, and where it went. And there's no confusion among, among the, the middle steps. Right. And that's exactly, um, that's, oh, more people are here. Hang on one second. <laughs> Guys, I'm on, I'm getting recorded right now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta wait till the, you guys can close the door. <laughs> <laughs> my daughter's home today. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Uh, um, so, yeah, so that that's precisely what the problem is. Right now what's happening is that a consumer is saying, 
I want health. I want this. I want that. Mm -hmm. Then it's getting, it's driving back to the farm and the farm is changing their farming methods to suit Mm -hmm. what the consumer needs. And, you know, I've been seeing it for years and years and years. I'm I'm thinking of, um, of this, um, uh, pig farm, pig farm that I'm thinking about right now. And, um, and he got into organic pork and Oh, I think we froze here. There you are. Is that better? It froze for a second. Yep, we're good. Good. Okay. Yep. So the the the, the um, organic pork. When he decided to go into organic pork, he um, he had to change his entire farming structure, how he did everything, which was really kind of cool too, because you know they said that it was coming from the consumer this has to happen. You can't cut tails anymore. Right. And this is, this is like a crazy, crazy thing was you can't cut their tails anymore. Well, what happens on a pig farm is they chew each other's tails. So now what are you going to do? What are you going to let them bleed to death? Right. So his solution ended up being creating an environment that was as close to being outdoors as possible. And it was amazing to watch this Mm -hmm. happen. And, um, and then he also gave them access to the outdoors so they could choose whether they come in and out and you know what happened? They stopped chewing each other's tails. So I don't believe it's all bad. I believe you can, because the, you know, these things are running backwards, we can come farther with animal husbandry. Right. Mm -hmm. And even before that, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was doing, you know, he was cutting their tails. He wasn't having that issue because they cut the tails. But because he couldn't anymore, he did have to change his practices. So that was, it was really interesting. Mm. Um, but again, because that the profit is higher in the organic market, he could afford to make those changes. Mm. Right. So right. it was definitely backwards. So right. I think the farm to table is the other way where the farmer can say, this is what we're good at. Mm-hmm. This is what I believe in. Now, do you want to buy from me? Do you do your values align with me? Right. So that's why I like I like it that way as well yeah. because the consumer isn't always right about how to feed it backwards to the farmer, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that, that definitely makes a lot of sense, and and we have seen that farmers are are really good at, at adapting to regulation, but mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that they should have to. And right. a, a big thing that I've been pushing for a little while on the on this podcast, and actually I talked about it with um with Jason Meadows, you know the 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 Ag State of Mind uh, host, is the whole idea of humanizing the farmer again, because um, that's that's a big uh, a big missing piece of the conversation is the consumer tends to forget that farmers are people too. It's not just some big machine, you know, just making meat and and you know and eggs there's somebody you know behind the scenes working you know 24 hours a day on their farm they have a family to feed to they have bills to pay like they're they go through very similar issues that that you know the consumer goes through and like the sooner they send they seem to understand that there seems to be a better relationship between those two so i think right. that that's that's another big advantage of the farm to plate thing is that you know you actually get to meet that farmer and you get to hear his story and then you understand that there's there's an actual person behind the behind the face not just you know a, a big machine corporation that's it. And I, you know, one of my pet peeves is just hearing factory farm. Mm-hmm. You know, I've toured hundreds of farms across North America and those giant operations are the cleanest, mm-hmm. right? They have, they care more, like say if it's, you know, in the dairy industry, 
cow comfort is the first thing. Yeah. Cow comfort is number one mm. on a factory farm, right? Yeah. So people, consumer has this crazy thought of, you know, this cold, sterile environment that's mean and the cows can't move it. That's not how it really is, right? Mm. Like if you think about fair oaks in Indiana, those cows choose when they go on the parlor, right? right? They, they are in charge of when they get milked, you know, mm. the same in any robot barn, you know, the farmer's not making those choices anymore. The cow is, and they're creating a perfect environment for them. Yeah. And, you know, I hear those things and, and I just go, Oh my goodness, I would eat off the floor at Farrow's. It's beautiful. <laughs> right. Like, right. you know, it's, guaranteed it's cleaner than my kitchen floor with my dogs at this time of year. <laughs> right. right. So, you know, I really, that's a, the other thing is that we need to humanize them, you know, let's mm -hmm. humanize the farmer again and, and get rid of this factory farm silliness, you know, that, that, you know, the animal comfort is important to everyone. Yeah. No, everyone. that's, that's been a big thing that I've, I've pushed for. I, I can't tell you, I've had, I think I posted something on, on one of the online forums that I get guests from. And I said like, Hey, you know, do any of you have any questions about farming that I could answer? And I was looking for more guests. And like within an hour, I had three responses from three different people all saying, can you explain factory farming to me? And I was like, come on the podcast. We're going to talk about this. So I had like three episodes back to back just talking about how I was like, okay, describe to me, describe to me what you mean by factory farming. Cause that's a big issue too, is they like the definition of factory farming is, is always changing. It's, it's the same problem I have with sustainability. You can never define it properly because everyone thinks of it differently. Um, right. So they would describe it to me. I'm like, okay, well really what you mean by factory farming is just large scale farming. Like that's not, you know, there's, there's no actual factory where they're just producing this product. Like it's not, you know, it's not a cold machine. Pump it in a cow and Right, exactly. So I was like, I don't think you guys realize, you know, the larger the farm gets, the more responsibility it has basically, because, you know, you have, cause they like to say like, you know, there's no way a farmer could care for that many animals. You'd be surprised. You know, I don't, I don't think you, you get it. Like, that, that farmer, a factory farm just basically determines how large a farm is, not how it runs its operation. You know, right. if, if, a, if a farmer has a lot of cows and he needs to take care of all of those cows, he's not going to, he's not going to neglect any of them just because he's got too many to take care of. He's, he's going to try to do his best to take care of as many as he can. And a, a big part of that operation is still uh, profit driven. And if a cow is stressed out, he's not going to make any money off that cow. So well, it, it. it's makes, counterintuitive, <laughs> right? It makes no sense for him to, to, you know, raise his, his, you know, herd to a point where he can't take care of it anymore because he's going to be losing money at that point. It's just going to be eating food and not producing milk. And mm -hmm. so it makes, you know, it makes way more sense for him to care as much about his cows as possible. And that's why most operations today, not just in the dairy industry and all animal agriculture are based around lowering stress as much as physically possible. Mm -hmm. Yes, and that exactly. tends to be actually a really good you know, way of going about it. A lot of the consumers I've talked to have been really on board with that idea. They're like, huh, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, that, that wouldn't make sense if they try to stress out their cows because then they would be losing money and they would be, you know, like you always see like the animal rights activists coming after them. That, that would just give them more fuel to the fire. I was like, exactly. They don't want that kind of stuff. They just want to make their money and feed their family like everybody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if your volume of production is where you make your profit, you're going to get the highest volume right. production and you're going to do whatever it takes to do that. And if that mm -hmm. means you need a happy cow, you're going to make a happy cow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, exactly. So, yeah. And, and that message needs to get to the consumer. Yes. hundred percent somehow. 
yes. but it's tough right now because there are so many activists, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's, I think the activists are probably too far gone, but I think the people that they're affecting, we need to be as, as accessible as they are mm -hmm. in saying, you're welcome to come to the farm. You're welcome yep. to come see what happens. You're, you know, you're welcome to learn. And, you know, I think that, you know, education starting right from, you know, first grade has to change. You know, my daughter last year had a, a dairy person come in who told them, you know, how mean it was and how, you know, dairy isn't really that good for you. And like, I thought that it was going to be something about teaching them about dairy products. Right. My daughter came home and said, mom, you know, I didn't agree with what she was saying. So I said, well, um, I put up my hand and said the, um, that there's farms out there where the cow decides when it gets milked and it just goes on when it wants to. And it's like a carousel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and the, the person that was there said, oh, that doesn't exist. Huh. And she was like, hmm? <laughs> it's like, my mom shows me pictures of it. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, you go talk to the teacher and be like, what is going on here? Right. You don't get, you know, you're responsible for these kids. So, you know, I think that there has to be work done in, in the curriculum as well, because, you know, it's not, it's not happening now, especially, well, not here anyway. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a big, that's an important topic to, you know, to like, like we mentioned before, teaching kids as young as possible about, you know, where their food comes from and, and not just, you know, not just where it comes from, but how everything that goes into making that food process works, you know, all the science, all the technology, all the engineering, the, the economic stuff, the regulation stuff, all of that, you know, how important it is and how not just that, but there's also, you know, there's the other side of the coin too, which is there's a, a tremendous amount of jobs available in areas regarding agriculture that are not farming and people tend to forget about that part too. Right. But, yeah. yeah. So that was actually a big, you know, um, as far as going back to like the animal, animal rights or like just activists in general being mm -hmm. present on social media, that was a big thing that I had, I had really been pushing hard on, on my show for a long time was that, you know, the reason this is so important is because, we have been away from social media for so long as an industry. Like agriculture is so late to the game that mm -hmm. we need to, we need to do a lot of catching up because you know, the animal rights activists and, and like the other, like the, you know, the anti GMO people, the anti, like, you know, all those people have been here a lot longer than us and they have a lot, they'll have, they have a lot stronger of a stake in the game. They have, you know, all these videos, they have like, you know, they have very strong social media platforms built. They have all these, you know, you know, strong followers. And like you mentioned, those are probably too far gone. We're not going to get those back, but mm -hmm. it's, it's now our job to, to play catch up, to try to defend those who are not yet on their side. You know, we have to do everything we can to keep them from getting those guys too. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, I was talking to, to, uh, one of my guests about that. And he asked probably the, my favorite question I've ever been asked, which was what can we do, you know, as laymen, as consumers, as people who don't know about agriculture, what can we do? I basically just told him, do your homework, you know, don't, don't believe the first thing you read on, on the internet, come and ask somebody just to double check. And, you know, don't, don't just assume that agriculture is, is bad just because somebody showed you a picture of a, of a guy hitting his cow, because, you know, there are bad farmers out there and there's, and there's also 
good situations that are taken out of context to look really negative. So, you know, just, just use some, you know, use some logic, use some common sense and, and don't, you know, don't just believe everything that you're told. And he was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll spread the word about that. So it gave me hope that there's actually people out there who, who do care enough to, to not only like do the research, but to, to defend the farmer at, at times as well, which was nice to hear. Right. Yes. Yeah. I, I always like to use the example too of like the 1960s and the big sugar movement. Mm. You know, we've got all this grain. What are we going to do with it? How about we just throw a whole bunch of sugar on it and make cereal? Before right. that, we had bacon and eggs for breakfast. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden marketing says, oh, this is healthy for you. This is good for your heart. This is, so what are we doing? We're filling up all the kids with sugar before they go to school. <laughs> right. It doesn't make any sense, right? So we can't just trust the media and these companies that are marketing to us, right? right. That's not good for you. It's not good <laughs> for you. It's not good for your kids to no. go to school full of sugar and then have a crash. And then the poor teachers have to deal with them, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? When they're tired at 10 AM. Right. So I like to use that as an example because, you know, everyone can see that that's wrong, but it mm -hmm. still happens. Mm -hmm. And that was just to sell more grain products and more sugar right? It was a really high profit, a high profit thing to sell at that time. And what did they do? They turned us all into cereal eaters. Right. Right. Within 10 years, probably. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's what's happened now with this, you know, organic hormone, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And I have nothing against organic. Like I think right. organic farmers are doing a great thing. Mm -hmm. It's the education, right. And that it not being consumer driven that right. bothers me. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's an important part of the conversation too, is, you know, the, the, we need to, we need to prevent any division among the ag industry. You know, we, we can't be doubling down against, you know, saying that the organic is bad by any means or saying that, you know, anything like people's choices to eat what they want is, is their choice and people's choices to grow what they want is their choice. It's just the, the ha having a better understanding around, you know, the differences between those products and those growing methods, the reason why they're doing what they're doing and the lack of misconception, like trying to, to mitigate some of the misconceptions around, you know, the, like, if you look at, you know, two steaks in, in a, in a, in a, a, a store and you see one that has hormone free and one that doesn't, and you assume the other one has a bunch of added hormones too, and you don't choose that one. It's, it's getting rid of those kinds of, of misconceptions. You know, right. there's like, 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 like free wheat or bread. Right. GMO free pineapple. Well, there doesn't have like <laughs> possible. Right. right. Possible right. Or, so that should be wrong. Like mm -hmm. there should be no marketer, no company that will put on a, a claim like that because that's right. so misleading. That drives me crazy. Mm -hmm. right? It totally, totally drives me crazy. Yeah. No, exactly. So I think that, you know, like, like you mentioned, you know, we should, as, as an ag industry, it might, might even become our responsibility to uh, talk about how, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with organic food. There's nothing wrong with, with, you know, GMO free food or pesticide free food that, you know, that's, that's fine if you want to, if you want to eat that stuff or if you want to grow it that way, but it's not better than anything else for any particular reason, you know, and, and, and that the other stuff isn't bad or, or toxic or anything dangerous by any means. So it's just a matter of, you know, you can do whatever you want. Just understand that nothing out there is going to hurt you. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's a, that's a big point that we really need to let people know about. <laughs> Huge point. Yep. So I think at the end of the day, it's just going to become a, you know, a whole, um, just team effort, you know, ag just needs to come together as a whole, all the ag communicators need to come together as a whole and just say like, Hey, you know, we should work together and get them back on our side. And then we can, then we can, you know, 
go, you know, go our separate ways and do our thing. But right now, for the first time in, in probably human history since the, since the invention of agriculture, we have, you know, half of our population, actually a significant amount, more than half of our population disconnected from, from their food, you know, from the source of their food and, and the other half of it trying as hard as they can to get them back on board. And, and we're just, we're missing the mark somewhere. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I personally think that we're doing pretty good. I think that we're starting to get back into the minds of those who are, who are not around agriculture, but I think we still have some, you know, some ways to go. It's still an uphill battle. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you brought up a point earlier about um, working in agriculture, even though you're not involved in agriculture mm-hmm. growing up. And uh, for myself, I didn't grow up on a farm. So I grew up in cottage country and I, my uncle had a farm and I just like from the time I was very little and I just gravitated to agriculture. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's an important point to know that there are very good jobs in agriculture for for young people. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to be on the farm, but you can still help in these ways, right? Whether it's working for these marketing companies, it's becoming uh, educated and, furthering the message uh, there are so many jobs in agriculture and you know we always need good people mm-hmm. and so you know i wish that you know guidance counselors would say yeah there are all these jobs right there right. are a lot of jobs in this industry um, we probably are most make up more than half of the jobs in the world in, in agri-food right yeah and uh yeah so so that's one one message to young people for sure that I would have is that if you have even the slightest bit of interest in agriculture, don't think because you're not a farmer, you can't be involved. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. And that goes all the way back to like the education conversation, like we were talking Ag- agriculture being more heavily associated in education, you know, being able to, to have agriculture be part of other curriculum classes and not just on, not just an elect, uh, elective, you know, you can have agriculture associated with math and history and science and, you know, these other things that, can get kids interested in not only does it get kids interested in, in the industry, but it gives them a practical application for the things they're learning. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the biggest complaints I've heard from students is that they're learning concepts and they have no idea what to do with them. You know, like, what am I going to do with calculus? What am I going to do with, you know, this or the other thing, if you give them agriculture as, as a foundation for that lesson, it gives them a practical use for it. And it may even inspire them to want to use that as a career one day. And I know I talk to people as guests that have been interested in the idea of, you know, pursuing careers in ag technology or like when they, when they hear that we have a lot of computer and, you know, and, and robotic science in, invested into agriculture, they get really interested because they're studying to be a computer scientist. So like, Oh, maybe I'll go into ag, you know, ag computer science or something like that. And so like that kind of, because most of them don't even realize it's an option. You know, if, if that gets exposed to them as an option, as like, you know, if you want to do what you do, if you want to work as a computer scientist, as a communicator, as a marketer, as, you know, a, even like graphic design, you know, all kinds of different things, there are available positions for you in the ag industry. Like people always talk about how there's no jobs available. There's tons of jobs available. They're just in, you know, they're in ag. And it's not a conversation that, that I, I think has had enough. So for sure. Yeah. Another, another thing I'm passionate about getting, <laughs> getting more of these people into this industry that, you know, and making it a more um, welcoming industry for outs- outsiders, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that kind of wraps up all the questions I had. I don't know if there's any other, anything else you wanted, uh, anything, any other comments or questions you had or. No, that was really great. It's always fun to talk about stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it gets no, me it was, fired yeah. up. 
<laughs> yeah, sure. A pleasure. I mean, um, you know, I, I like, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk to us about all that. Um, if, you know, if you'd like to take the chance to, uh, plug your, you know, your website and your project some more, I, I would, you know, be more than happy to give you that, give you that yeah. chance. Yeah. So anybody that wants to, uh, if you go to northamericanag.com, you can subscribe. We have a once a month um, newsletter that kind of highlights a lot of the people in agriculture and, and, um, and there's some good articles as well. Um, if you're looking for work in the industry too, we have the future of ag and we have a career section. Uh, we also have a section about, um, about farm succession as well. So we try to try to cover a lot of the bases and really the whole point is to promote the people and the products and you know the people that make a big impact in our industry so yeah so check that out and um my website for marketing is chrissywozniak.com awesome yeah i'll be putting all the links down in the description so you guys can go check that out and i'll be sharing around all the pages and that kind of stuff you know um anyone who who follows me on on social media knows that the entire week i have an episode coming out i have all kinds of stuff shared out about it so you guys will definitely know where to to find her so um yeah thanks again chrissy for for joining me for this episode it was a lot of fun um i definitely enjoyed the conversation so um i definitely hope we are able to uh, have it, you know, and maybe in a follow-up episode or like a, like a future collaboration at some point. Cause it definitely seems like yeah, I have, you right. know, we have a lot to, lots to discuss, you know, the, yes. that's a lot that's, of work to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I've definitely, I've been working on trying to get as many ag podcasters and ag communicators together to work, you know, put our heads together and find new solutions to talking to consumers as much as possible. So it's definitely nice to have the connection. Awesome. So very yes. good. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for for joining me and thanks to all my listeners for tuning in. And don't forget, if you ate today, thank a farmer. Mm